0: Right before the giant so tall, and it was unlikely then to all of those men, surely Goliath would fall, and when the three Hebrew boys wouldn't bow to the idol, the king said they crossed the line. They were thrown into the flame, but then the fourth man came and got delivered. Right on time, God was in time. For the children of Israel across the mighty Red Sea, He was on time when the walls of Jericho fell at Joshua's feet. Every time I feel discouraged, don't have to wonder where He'll be. God's been in time, on time, every time for me. In time.
1: Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. This is the third lesson on the House on the Rock series. And we are trying to build a house on a rock so when the storms come, and they will come, when the rains and the floods come, they're going to come, that our house will not be like the foolish man's. It won't fall flat. But that our house will stand and it will stand strong. And God, Jesus told us, He said, if, we'll, if you'll do these things. And so, uh, we're gonna look at these sayings. We're gonna get, uh, real specific. Or uh, we're not gonna get real specific this week, but over the next few weeks, uh, we're gonna kind of almost do like a sub-series to this passage right here, because there's a lot of stuff in here that is mentioned. But, uh, what we're gonna to cover tonight is verses 17 through 20. We'll go ahead and read those. It says, "...think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven." But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us as we study Your Word tonight. Lord, help us to take these things and apply them to our life. And I pray it will help us become stronger and better Christians. And we will have a house. That is built on a rock and on on Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. So right now, a house on the rock. The first week we talked about building a happy home. Uh, Happy homes are going to do better when the storm comes than a miserable home. Last week we talked about a helping home. It's very important that uh, a life to be fulfilling and to have some meaning. You need to be helping other people. It can't be all about yourself. Uh, Otherwise you're going to be miserable. And then this week we're going to be talking about a holy home. A holy home, a holy house. Um, A house on a rock is going to be a house that is practicing holiness. There's Number one, we're not to just pick and choose what commandments we obey. We're to obey them all. Every one of them. And I'm going to say some things in this message that when you hear them at first, they might sound really, really extreme, but uh, Jesus is trying to get a point across here. and I'm going to try to get the same point across but don't don't lose me. Just pay attention, and you'll see how it all makes sense. But we're supposed to obey all the commandments. Uh, the things that we need to understand. About, there's things we need to understand about this passage. So while I'm talking about this, you may have read past here before. I want you to kind of forget about those next verses while I say some of these things. Because remember, when Jesus was talking to these people, uh, they hadn't read this in the Bible yet. It hadn't been written. Jesus hadn't even said it yet. He's saying it, so I want us to look at what Jesus is actually saying here. But uh, He says, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. When Jesus came, there was a lot of things that He was teaching that seemed different than what they had been following in the Old Testament. And a lot of those scribes and Pharisees, they got mad at Jesus. They thought, why are you doing this? Because they had these traditions and things they had done for years, for their whole life, they had done these things, and here he does, and he's he comes along and he's doing things that are a little bit different. And uh Jesus he tells them some things here. He says, he tells them, he wants to just assure them, I'm not here to destroy the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets, that's the law is in the prophets of the Old Testament. He's basically saying, I'm not here to destroy it. He didn't do away with it. I think as Christians, we should still read the Old Testament. I think we ought to follow the things that are in the Old Testament. I think we ought to follow, I think we ought to follow all of them. And a lot of people, oh, we don't have to follow all of it. Well, just pay attention and just kind of forget about these next verses here. But he says, he said, I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. And he said, he said, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, Shall in no wise pass. Jesus did not do away with any of the Old Testament. That's number three. The second one, I don't know if I mentioned. We are not to pick and choose with what commandments we obey. So He did not do away with any of the Old Testament. The the Psalms 19 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. The Old Testament number four is perfect. We have a perfect Bible. We have a perfect book. The New Testament is perfect. And the Old Testament is perfect. Everything that is in there is perfect. Psalms nineteen seven through eleven. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. That uh, there's actually somebody actually put it to music, and it's just a beautiful song. And it says that the law, of the Lord, is it's perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple, the law makes sense. It's it's something that uh, we ought to be able to understand. It's something that can help us. That's talking about the Old Testament law. So uh, Jesus, he came to fulfill, and number five, Jesus did fulfill much of the Old Testament. He didn't fulfill all of it. There's some prophecies in the Old Testament that have not come to pass yet, but a lot of it, Jesus did fulfill it. So the question comes to mind when I'm saying this: Jesus is telling these people, "You are supposed to. You're supposed. To, the Old Testament is still intact." And then he tells them, he says, um. In verse 20, he said that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has just told them, you're going to have to be better than the scribes and Pharisees. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, these people had it all down on the outside. They, I mean, they did the dress, they did all the ceremonies, they did everything. The way that they were supposed to do, and Jesus said, "You are going to have to beat that." Well, how do you beat that? These people were pretty much perfect in what they did. Well, He goes on to explain in the next verses about sins of the heart that that these Pharisees did, in fact, have a problem with. And when we and we're not going to go through all of them, but if you read the rest of chapter five, it talks about these least commandments. It talks about how if you are just angry with your brother, you know, you are guilty of murder. In your heart, and he said, except we're better than the Pharisees. In other words, if we don't, if he said, unless we follow the law completely, we can't enter in the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's, that's what Jesus has just said here. Jesus has just told them, You have to follow every single bit of the Old Testament in order to get to heaven. Now, the question is, is anybody in this room? completely fulfilled and obeyed every bit of the Old Testament? Not one of us. We know now, and Jesus was trying to show them, and He did show them later, that you can't do this. That's kind of what He's trying to show them here. You, All of you have failed in this area. And that's why He had to come so He could fulfill all righteousness and we can get into heaven not through our righteousness, but through His righteousness. But in that passage, that's what he's just told them. That's what he thinks about the law. So questions come to mind many times. So now, do we not have to obey the law? Does the Old Testament not apply to us? Well, the truth is, the Old Testament does apply. The Old Testament does matter. So, different questions come to mind. Well, then what about the sacrificing of sheep? Do we sacrifice sheep? Well, no, we don't do that. Well, then, so are we supposed to obey the whole Old Testament? Yes, we still are. But I want to hopefully I can I can show you this tonight because you're going to get these questions sometimes from people. What part of the Old Testament do we actually need to follow? Because I don't know about some of you. I work quite a few times on the on Saturday. Back in the Bible times, if they worked on the Sabbath, boy, they would get in big trouble. They could even be put to death for working on the Sabbath. Does Jesus still expect us to do that? Is that what He's talking about? And the question is, no, there are some things in the Old Testament we don't do anymore, but it does not mean that the Old Testament is not perfect. And I'm going to explain that to you and I want to illustrate it this way. And uh, I think number six says, not all laws are forever. Not all laws are forever. While the Old Testament is perfect, while it is complete, while it is just as important today as it was in the Old Testament times, not all the laws were forever. For example, there is a law that we are taught in the Bible. We are taught to spank our kids. Okay, we believe in that. We believe in that. My parents believed in that. I say all the time, and they followed that commandment very well. We're supposed to do that. But, do you do that forever? What would you all think if, you know, my mom, my wife's mom was here this morning? What would you have thought if maybe they got into a little argument and my mother-in-law would have went and bent her over her knee and started whooping her? You would think, what kind of crazy lady is that? You would think, she's nuts. She can't do that anymore. She's grown up. She's an adult. There are some laws, but at the same time, that law still matters. We're still. God still wants people to discipline their children, but it, there comes an age where that part is over. It's completed. And much of that ceremonial law in the Old Testament, while it was exactly what they were supposed to do, it's been completed. Jesus finished it. There's no more sacrifices anymore. You know, I look forward to the day where I don't have to spank my kids anymore. I do. I look forward to that. I look forward to that day when that is that's done, where they're grown up and they're uh, they're doing right on their own. I'm I, I'm looking forward to that day. I hope it comes soon. But there are some laws. They're not they're not forever. He uh, he. Those ceremonial laws they were to be done until the final sacrifice was made. And we're not going to go through each of the laws in the Old Testament. But the truth is, there is a big portion. Of those that Old Testament law that Jesus fulfilled it, He finished it. It's still important, but Jesus completed that for us, and thank God we don't have to do that anymore. It's just like if you're building a building, there, uh, you know, there's there's a something great about when it's complete and you don't have to work on it anymore, and now you just get to enjoy it. And so much of the Old Testament it got fulfilled with Jesus Christ. He didn't destroy it. He didn't necessarily do away with it. But he fulfilled it. He finished it. And so, whenever somebody comes up to you and is like, "Well, if you're, you know, if you really are a Bible believer and believe the whole Bible, then you shouldn't be eating bacon because the Bible says it's an abomination to eat swine." Well, you know what? That's a question a lot of people have. Does God still want us doing that? Uh, and we're gonna kind of, I want to illustrate that to you here pretty soon, so you can know how to tell the difference. But first of all, the ceremonial law number seven. It was a temporary commandment. It was a temporary commandment that God gave until the final sacrifice was made. It's over. It's done. I'm glad we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. I'm glad we don't have to do all that stuff. That was very difficult. It was hard. And the final sacrifice was the most difficult thing that there ever was. And that was when Jesus died on the cross. And I'm thankful that we don't have to die on the cross to go to heaven. I'm thankful for that. So the ceremonial law was temporary. The ceremonial laws, they were completed. And really to do those laws now would be a sin. Think about it. It says in the Old Testament, just like it would be a sin for my mother-in-law to come and spank my wife, it would be a sin for us to come in here and say, you know what? Y'all y'all sinned this week. Y'all are rotten. We're going to kill this innocent lamb For your sins, and I was to take it up here on the communion table and slit its throat and drain its blood. That would be sinful to do that. Not just because of the poor little sheep, but because of me doing that, I'm saying that what Jesus did wasn't enough. That even though Jesus shed His blood, that's not good enough. We need the blood of a lamb too. For us to sacrifice a lamb would be a great sin. Because that's completed. It's done. We don't have to do that anymore. The ceremonial laws were completed. To do them now would be a sin. Uh, the moral laws, number eight though, the moral laws are still in place. The moral laws, God still wants us to follow those. I mentioned it this morning in Sunday school. I saw this program and there was a, a preacher on there and he made the foolish comment that homosexuality biblically is not wrong. It is okay to be a Christian and be a homosexual. And then the question was put to him, well, what about that verse in the Bible where it says it's an abomination for a man to lie with mankind as womankind? And he said, it also says it's an abomination to eat swine. You know, an abomination, that means it makes God sick. We're, we're supposed to abominate some things. Some things ought to just make us, I mean, literally ill to see them. It ought to make us want to throw up because of how wicked it is and how evil it is. Uh, so, the, the moral laws, they're still in place. Though, not to obtain salvation, okay? We don't follow the more, that Old Testament moral law so we can get saved. We're already saved. But we follow it really just to obtain God's blessing. You know, a lot of people talk about like Jewish people, they're kind of known for being good with money. They're, they're still a very blessed people. I believe one of the reasons that Jewish people are still a very blessed people is they still follow that most, much of that Old Testament law. They still follow that moral law. Most of them aren't doing the sacrifices and things just because they don't have a temple right now. If they could, they probably would. And there are some Jews that are trying to and they, uh, in the end times we know that they will. But, they're following these moral laws and God blesses them for it. If we follow, we, there's a lot of things that I'm gonna preach about and I'm gonna give you verses from the Old Testament. I'm not telling you to do these things because, uh, so you can go to heaven. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. I'm telling you about these things because they will give you a blessed life. They will, they will help your life. A lot of people say that as Christians, or as Baptists, we're always preaching on this stuff and stuff from the Old Testament and they say that we're legalistic. And legalistic means that, you know, you have to basically work to obtain salvation. That's not what we are at all. We just are trying to obey God. We're trying to get other people to have a blessed life and to do what God wanted them to do. These moral laws are still in place and abominations, number nine, are still abominations except for the things that were only meant for Jews. Alright? Now there's a lot of things we can go over on these. But in Leviticus chapter 11, why don't you go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 11. So we're not going through every single one of these things, but when you're reading these, this is something that you can look at, and you can act, you can learn to tell the difference on what abominate, there are some abominations that is not an abomination anymore, and there are some abominations that are still an abomination. And many people will tell us we're having a double standard with this, we're being hypocritical, it's not the case. You can look in the Bible and you can see how to tell the difference. But it says in Leviticus 11, we're just going to kind of jump around, but look at verse 4. It says, Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof, as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. Okay? It says, unclean unto you. At the end of verse 5, he is unclean unto you. Verse 6 at the end, he is unclean unto Unto you, number seven, the swine and the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean to you. Verse eight, they are unclean. At the end, they are unclean to you. And verse ten it says, they shall be an abomination unto you. It's talking about different kinds of fish that don't have scales and the rivers and all that move in the water. So, they're an abomination unto you. Verse twelve. And that shall be an abomination unto you. Verse twenty, it says, "There shall be an abomination unto you." Uh, verse twenty-three, shall be an abomination unto you. Verse twenty-seven, shall. Um... Oh, I threw this one in here because I just I love this verse. And whosoever goeth upon his paws among all manner of beasts that go on all four, those are unclean. Unto you. I make that as an excuse for why I don't like dogs. I'm just trying to follow the Old Testament. But, truth. Truth is, does God want you not having a dog? Does God not want you having a cat? They go on all four paws. He said those things are unclean. These things that we're talking about here, they're unclean. They're an abomination. They were supposed to look at them and detest them. Like, like us, something that we all abominate. Uh, maggots okay if you' ever, when you see maggots nobody's like yum everybody gets grossed out and oh i to stay away from those things Uh women abominate mice okay mice come through and they just go crazy and start screaming and they can't stand them and it it grosses them out we had we had a uh, some mice in our house back in LaSalle and Cassandra demanded that we get a cat and I'm thinking cats are bigger they're hairier they're messier but she, she would rather have a cat in the house than mice. I'd rather have mice. But that was her. Because she abominates mice. And he said in, in all these things, they, in verse 35 and in verse 38 it mentions it. He said all these things, they're unclean unto you. They're an abomination unto you. And there, well, There's a lot of other things we go through, but there were some things that for the children of Israel, for the Jewish people, God said these things are abomination for you. I don't want you doing these things. God didn't care if other people did it. He doesn't care if we do it. We're us in here today. We're all Gentiles. God is not expecting us of it. This was specifically for the Jew. So how do we know which abominations were for the Jew? Well, he said there, the one it was an abomination to you. But then listen to so that was just for the Jew. Well, so what about homosexuality and things like that? Is that just for? The Jew. No, look at Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22. There are some things that were an abomination to the Jews, and then there were other things that were an abomination to God. Those things are still an abomination. Leviticus 8, 22, 18 verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And notice, on all those other things, he said for you, for you, for the Jews. You stay away from this. He didn't seem to care about what the rest of the world was doing, but for them... It mattered. And then he says, and there he says, for in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. He said these things, they're already going on in this nation by these other people and I'm getting them out. I want them out of the land. Did you know that every time they would go into different areas, they were supposed to get rid of the sodomites. They were supposed to drive them out. Many of the kings didn't do it. They let them stay and God was upset with them. For it, they weren't supposed to have that anywhere near them because, and you'll see why here in a moment. It says in verse twenty-five, uh, it "says and the land is defiled; therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants." He says, "the land itself." These people had defiled that land, and God said, "this land is going to." It's going to vomit it. It's going to throw them up, in a sense. They're going to be destroyed by the land. You know when God created this world and God, God set things up the way He did, there are just certain things that are, that are going to destroy you that will destroy a nation. There are certain things, if we allow them into our country, if we allow them into our lives, it will destroy them. And these things are things that are abominations to God. It, one of the reasons that we have a lot of the diseases that we have are because of abominations that are going on in this world today. Many of the STDs and things like that—that is—that is really just nature itself—is—is is, is killing people because of all the wickedness that's going on. He said, "The land itself vomited them up." Verse twenty-six says, "Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments." And shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. He said when it comes to, he said when it comes not on this other stuff, when it comes to you, this is abomination to you. He didn't care what other people did. He didn't say anything about the stranger that was in your land. He didn't say anything about that. But for these things, he said, don't even let it in your nation. If somebody comes and visits, a stranger that's passing through. They are not to do these things. These laws are for anybody who steps foot in this land. And he says, "...for all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled, that that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you." See, this this stuff that's going on in our country today, the morality problems... It's destroyed other nations before, and it will destroy this nation if they don't get it right. These things that you hear preachers harping about that everybody gets all offended by, they're trying to protect this country because certain evil, it will destroy us. It's destroyed other nations, it destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and it will destroy America if we're not careful. And God said, I don't want this happening in Israel. So you make sure that this does not happen not just with you all, but with anybody. not Nobody that comes in this land. And then verse 29, "...for whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord." Your God. There were many other things that we could have looked at, but when it comes to the cer- a lot of the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, God said that was for you. That was for that was for Israel. And I thank God for that because I love bacon. I love ham. I love I love a lot of that stuff. And I do not believe I'm in any way sinning when, when when I eat those things. I do. Jesus said, He said in the New Testament that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out. If something that you take in causes bad to come out, well then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be taking it. You shouldn't have anything to do with it. That's why we don't, you know, smoke and chew and drink and all that stuff. It causes some bad things. It causes the alcohol, causes bad behavior, drugs. It can cause bad behavior. It'll cause you, to, it'll cause you to sin. So I think it's very clear that there's a difference here in the abomination to the Jews of what they ate and the abomination really for the whole land on what people did. The moral laws are still intact. There are some things, when it comes to the Old Testament, there are some things that were ceremonial law that have been completed. They've been done. We don't do those things anymore. To do those would be a sin. You may remember the story in the Old Testament where Moses went and they needed water and he smote the rock and water came out. When God did that, a lot of the things that God did in the Old Testament were symbolic for things that was going to happen. Some of the things that He was going to do for us in the future. And when Moses smote that rock, that was a picture of Jesus Christ being smote for us. and Of Him dying for us on the cross. And the next time they needed water, God told Moses to speak to the rock. Because you know what? Once you get saved, you don't need to get saved again. Jesus only died on the cross one time. And God was about to show a picture here of how at first you know, Jesus had to be smitten for us and, and then after that, the Holy Spirit just speaks to us. And Moses ruined that picture when he smote the rock again. You remember he did it. And God got mad at him for it. God was very, very angry because He kind of ruined that picture. And a lot of what they did in the Old Testament, it was a reminder, or it was a picture of the coming Messiah. Now that He's come, for us to do that would be a sin. Just like Moses smiting that rock the second time. The first time it was okay, the second time it wasn't. And there are things that were a picture. There are things they've been completed, they're fulfilled. There are some things that were an abomination for the Jews. But they are not for the. They are not for the Gentiles, and there are some abominations that are abominations to God. And if it made God sick, then it still makes him sick to this day. So abominations are still abominations. Um, Then number eleven, Jesus wanted us to be thorough in how we make rules for our homes. Hey, it's very. I, I don't. I don't want you all here to just do things, you know, based on what I say, because I I'm not perfect. I I think it's important that if you hear something preached, that you you go and you take the Bible and you study it, and you look and you pray about it, and you you ask God, say, Lord, is this something that you want me to add to my life? Lord, is this something that you want me to take out of my life? And you take it serious and you do your best. And you'll never get to where where you're doing everything. But if God sees you doing your best, He's going to start showing you things. He's going to make it clear. In fact, you might even get to the point where He even reveals to you why we do those things or why we don't do those things. There was a time when your kids probably wanted to play in the streets. But you wouldn't let them. They didn't understand why. They might have even thrown a fit. But you did. Now I can imagine they probably all know. You see those cars going by fast. Maybe you see a car wreck or somebody get hit by a car. And now you understand. This is why we don't play in the streets. You uh, you understand it. When you obey God, there can come a point where you start to understand some of those things. And if you don't, just trust them, just like you try to get your kids to do. So we need to be thorough. and then so we are to do and teach the least commandments. We are to do and teach. Number 12. The least commandments. He said, whosoever shall obey these least commandments and teach others. The least commandments. The things that uh, maybe aren't mentioned a lot in the Bible. The things that maybe aren't real important. God wants us to do all of them. We need to know why, number 13. Why we do what we do. We need to know why. It's so important. You need to study it. Why? An answer to that may just be because the Bible says so. Doesn't, I'm not saying we need to understand completely, but at the same time, you ought to have some Bible that you can look at and say, "I know why God wants. I know why God wants to do this. I don't understand it completely, but we're going to do it." And we need to be able to teach, or we need to be able to communicate why to others. Number fourteen, we need to be able to communicate why. It's very important. There's a verse. Uh, I want to read you First Peter. I believe it's First Peter or Second Timothy 2.2. two. 2. I didn't write that verse down. I think I might be able to quote it to you. But Paul, he's talking to Timothy and he talks about uh, the things that we've committed to you, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We're supposed to spread these things. We're supposed to teach them. In 1 Peter, there's a verse that talks about knowing, uh, being able to give an answer of the hope that is in you. If somebody says, do you know you're going to heaven? And you say yes. You ought to be able to tell them why you know. If you're following something in the Bible or you're saying something's a sin or something is right, you ought to be able to tell people why. That's very important. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to you. Chances are they're not going to read the Bible themselves. They should. They probably won't. We need to be able to, we need to, be able to tell people why. We need to be able to communicate why to others. Some people, they might not understand. There are some things the Bible said are spiritually discerned. But I believe we need to do our best. But the least commandments. So what are they? What are the least commandments? Well, we're not going to talk about those this week because there's a <laughs> Jesus mentions some of them and really the rest of this chapter he's basically kind of giving them some examples of least commandments, of things that they didn't even think about before. Things that they might not even seemed were sins and he tells them you need to do them and teach them and whoever does them will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven but if you don't do them you're going to be the least and these commandments the things that we're going to talk about in the next several weeks things that we just preach about all the time we don't preach these things as a way for people to go to heaven but this where we do these things cuz I don't know about you but I'd like to be great in the kingdom of heaven I think I'd rather be great than the least. I would like the same for you. And And Jesus said it. Sometimes we just need to stop. We overthink things too much. Sometimes we just need to stop and say, Jesus said this. This is the way it is. He said if we do and teach these least commandments, we're the greatest. But He also said there's others though, those least that do and teach others not to, or that don't do them and teach others not to. You know a lot of people... Most of the Bible reading they do is just to try to figure out ways to get out of doing certain things. They, I mean, they're trying to find loopholes in the Bible. How can I get away with doing this? And that's why you hear so much of this, hey, you know, as long as you're saved, that's that's what's important. You You know, that other stuff, you want to do it fine. If you don't do it, it doesn't matter. Well, that's not really what the Bible says. And that kind of attitude is going to make people have some serious regrets someday when we stand before God. Someday when God sets his kingdom up on this earth, he's gonna have things for people to do. And I don't know what he's gonna want me to do, but you know what? I want to be able to do something I want to do something. I want to have a part in that. I, I, I want I want to get it I want to be involved in that kingdom. And when Jesus Christ comes himself and rules and righteousness, I want to be a part of that. I appreciate your all's attitude. You come here and you look for ways to get involved. You look for ways to help. That's the kind of attitude we're supposed to have when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to the service of God, trying to find things that we can do. And if and I, I believe that's your saying your attitude when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. And the way to be great, the way to do the big things is on earth to do these little things. Big things, go to church, don't kill anybody. Little things said so we're going to talk about a lot of those next week, and we start to focus on those and you teach them to your family, you're going to have a house on a rock when the storms come, you'll be able to stand so let's stand together this evening with heads bowed and eyes closed. I always like to want to have a verse of invitation, just give you a chance to come and pray if that's what the Lord spoke to you about. We need holy homes so much.